What's Christmas? You ready? Anybody not ready? Anybody going shopping today? I'm just curious. Still, you can, <laughs> really? <laughs> it is crazy day. If you have not done it today, it is kind of fun just to walk around. I don't shop today, but it is fun to walk around. I don't want to wait in the lines, but it is fun seeing people and just the craziness of it all. I enjoy that sometimes. You know, um, maybe, you, maybe you have noticed this, but not, but have you noticed how the Christmas story is full of crazy surprises? It's, it's not what you would expect. It's just full of surprises. And I think it's intended to be that way, but there's times I feel like for those of us who've been in church all our lives, or maybe just everybody, it becomes that you're so familiar with the story that you miss the surprises. It's almost like you know it so well that you know what's coming that it doesn't hit the same. You know, you know how it is, right? When you're maybe watching a Christmas movie that you really enjoy that you've watched so many times and you know where the lines are and everything, it's, you still laugh, but it's not like the first time. Because remember the first time it caught you by surprise and you're like, oh, I can't believe that happened. We don't do that anymore. Because the Christmas story, you, you know how it goes. Maybe you've never done the math, but think about how many Christmas sermons you've heard. Let's say you've been in church, I, I don't know, five years. So five, but just multiply that by your age. Or think about how many Christmas carols, like we just did, all those songs. Now, I know some of those words may not have been familiar because we don't always sing into the second, third, fourth verse, but you know them. You know the story, right? Right? I mean, we could, we could tell the story right here. Mary, I mean, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary, announces, and, and she's shocked, and she's young, and she's engaged. You know the story. And her husband doesn't know for sure what's going on, but he has a dream, and the angel tells him in the dream, it's okay, it's from God, right? And then there's Caesar's decree for taxation, and they have a dangerous journey to Bethlehem. I did hear this about late Christmas shopping. I thought this was funny. They said, if you are going to shop late, be kind to all the people working today, because it's not their fault that you waited till Mary's water broke before you. <laughs> I don't know who thinks of these things, but I enjoy it. It's very funny. And then you hear about Herod's insane jealousy, and after Jesus is born, you know, and you, you all know the no vacancy sign with the innkeeper, right? And the shepherds, the wise men, the flight to Egypt to escape Herod. We know the story. It's so well. We know it so well. We've heard it all before. And it's almost sometimes like we hear the story, but we don't hear it. I love what Pastor Nick did with us singing those songs, and I love his intro, because I did what he said backstage. And as we were singing them, I felt like, in some cases, I was singing them for the first time. I don't know if you did that. It sounded like you were. It sounded amazing. You know, I know you probably couldn't hear the same as we up here can hear, because you're singing toward this direction, but it was beautiful. And it's hard to do that sometimes with this story. (laughs) I know you could probably quote all this, right, with me. But there's something in it that, there's one line that has always made me curious. I don't know if it's done it to you, but here, here's the line. It's the angel speaking to the shepherds, and he says this. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, you've heard the, the saying that familiarity can breed contempt. And I'm not saying we have contempt for the story, but I think what happens sometimes is the familiarity Familiarity, can we all say that together? Familiarity. Um, 
it, it kind of creates a casual disinterest. It's like we've heard the story. I know the story. I'm looking for the babe in the manger that I've seen in Christmas plays, right? How many played Joseph once in your life? Anybody in here? Or a shepherd? Anybody was a shepherd? Anybody baby Jesus? Because I know that happens. I, it never happened to me, but okay. The thing is about the Christmas story, though, if you really look at it, it's full of surprises. There's, there's miracles that happen all through the story. And I know what happens with our, our normal, natural, 21st century mind. We try to figure a way that God used maybe natural things to make it happen. Like the star. Was it really a star? Because stars don't move. We know that, right? So some people wonder if it was a configuration of the planets, because it may have been. Because there was a configuration of planets sometime around 6 BC that involved all the planets lining up. And it may have been that the wise men saw that, and it would have involved Jupiter, which was considered the king star. Those of you who know your Roman mythology, that's the head of the Roman, right? God didn't have to do that, I'm just saying. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. And the thing that a lot of people struggle with is the idea that God could be God. And do miracles. It's what he does. This story is full of them. Full of them. And as we look at it, it's amazing to see all the miracles. But the most amazing thing is that God invaded human history in the form of a tiny, helpless baby. I I like to do this, though. I like to focus in on one little thing in these stories. And zooming in, it, it, it helps make the whole thing new. And that one verse, I just keep, I get stuck on it. It's interesting to think about. The first Christmas sermon was really preached by an angel to shepherds, if you think about it. He was announcing the Savior had been born. Miracle. Can you imagine? I I love to do this. I love to just put myself in the stories and try to think of it as it was happening with no prior knowledge. So you're a shepherd. You know what it's like to be outside at night. All right? You know what that's like. You're out there, you see stars, you probably know all the names of all the configurations. You're probably used to hearing certain sounds. You're, you're listening for ones that might signal danger. You're, you're doing this, and then boom, an angel shows up. And I'm not trying to explode anybody's idea of what angels look like, but anytime the Bible says an angel, it's, it's a man dressed in glowing clothes. That's it, no wings, sorry. They're not hovering, he's standing there. So I want you to imagine this. The shepherds are there, and boom, this dude's there. Can you imagine? I mean, their whole world is shattered. Like, what is going on? And then he says these things that are crazy. The Savior has been born. The Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And he says he's here now. That the Lord has brought heaven to earth, and that God is going to be with us. And where is he going to be? Bethlehem, Bethlehem, they're there, they're right around there. He's here now, wow. Then he says, this will be a sign to you, a sign. I don't know about you, but when I think of signs, I think of, you know, things that point the way. I mean, I like our signs, we we put them in the lobby, you know, like 10 years ago or something. They're very clear, like, this is where you go. Right? Have you ever, I did this yesterday. I was looking for something, and uh, I was at Menards, actually. I was looking for something, and I, I couldn't find it. And I actually asked the person standing there, and they're like, yeah, it's right there. 
And the way they pointed, I thought, okay, I'm dumb. They're clearly saying you're an idiot, so I got that from them, <laughs> clearly. And I look up, and it's right on the sign. I don't know how I walked by it ten times. It's literally right there. The, thing, the one thing I was looking for was literally one of the things on the sign. But the sign they give doesn't look like that kind of sign to me. I mean, he says there's going to be a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And the thing is, the, the way the, the Greek reads, it says, the sign. Like, this is a big deal. The sign. Not a sign, the sign. Now, I think of signs in the Bible. I think of, like, parting the Red Sea. I think of maybe a burning bush, a cloud, you know, big things. It just, it just doesn't fit to me because there's probably other babies born, right? I don't know. And, and the way they wrapped them, that's actually how they would wrap babies up. We still do it today. Right, moms? Remember how to wrap your baby in that little burrito tuck thing? Remember that? I know it didn't work for all babies. Our firstborn, she didn't like to be confined. That was just her thing. But still, most babies like that. It makes them feel secure and comfortable and calm and it's all good. Their little arms aren't, you know, getting in the way and flopping around. And mm. So what's the sign part? I mean, there's probably other babies. I, I think there's more to this than just the baby in the manger. Now, the manger part's important. We'll get to that. But I think it's very significant. The angel says that the newborn is Jesus, the Messiah, Lord and Savior. This is a big deal. And even the shepherds would have known it. Now, I, I say even the shepherds because that sounds rude, but they wouldn't have been a really big educated class. But if they're Jews, they would have been trained in Jewish, uh, the, the Jewish Bible. They would have known these things. We don't do as good a job as they did in their culture with training their people. These guys would have known this. So when they said this, it would have meant a big deal. So Here's the thing. In the Greek, it says Messiah, Lord, two words. Now, here's what's weird about that is Messiah, you probably know all this. I'm not trying to get all nitty gritty on Christmas Eve, but can we do this for a sec? Okay. You know what Messiah means? It means the choice, chosen one or the anointed one. This is the one they're looking for. Now, that's Hebrew, and in Greek, it's a very familiar term, Christ. Same word. Messiah is Christ. But he combines it, that angel did, with the word Lord. Now, here's why that's a big deal. That's the same word that in the Old Testament, in your, old, in your Bibles, when you come across the word Lord in there and it's capitalized L-O-R-D, do you know what the actual Hebrew is there? That's the name for God, the Yahweh name, the holy name. They would have known that. They would have known that. When he said Messiah, Lord, they'd be like, hmm? And now, us, we hear that, it's just, it just kind of floats by our heads. But for them, it would have been like, whoa, the Messiah is God? Like Lord God? And here's the thing about it. It didn't say he was the Messiah of the Lord. It said he's Messiah Lord. <laughs> it's a big deal. Talk about a sign. Right away, their, their, their religious ears are perked in a way that changes everything. Okay, wait, 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 wait. We've been looking for the Messiah, but you're saying he's also God? Oh, my goodness. And in this circumstance, it's, it's amazing to think about. Have you thought about this? And I know I mention this often, so if you, if you go to this church, you've probably heard this before, but God could have sent Jesus any way he wanted, right? And I don't know about you, but 
when I think of God coming to earth, I don't think of a baby. Don't get me wrong, I like babies. I like them. I do. It's kind of like a puppy though, right? Everybody likes the front end of a puppy. Have you heard that before? I mean, puppies are great, right? Until they start chewing on stuff and, right? A baby? I mean, he could have come as a fully developed adult Adonis, right? He could have come powerful and perfect, clothed in light. He could have come with lightning bolts shooting out of everywhere. He could have come wealthy. He could have come as a prince. He could have come as so many things. He could have come to a palace, born in a palace. That's what the wise men expected. That's why they went to Jerusalem, to find him, because they figured the king of the Jews would be in the palace. For that matter, he could have come in a floating palace, right? I mean, he's God, right? He could have just floated in everywhere. He didn't. He did something that I think is a huge sign so what's the message of this sign, the major, major part? What's the message there? What's God saying about himself and about what he's trying to do? You know what the sign of the president is? This, this is a funny story from history. James Polk, one of the presidents, his wife didn't like the fact that when he walked in the room, no one noticed. So she instructed the band to play what we now know as Hail to the Chief every time he walks in. That started with a president who needed a sign. He needed a sign so people would stand up and say, oh, wait, the president's here. So that's why still today, whenever the president's there, you hear, hail to the chief. That's why when you go someplace, they put up the seal of the president. That's why they do all that. There's signs like that all over the place. You know, you, we're, we're well aware of those kinds of signs. <laughs> so what's the sign of a manger? You know what a manger is, right? It's just a stone thing that animals ate out of. First Timothy says this, without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. Christ was revealed in a human body. John says it this way, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. It's one of those signs that people missed. It's easy to miss. Even even Herod's scribes, the ones he called on to find out where Jesus was supposed to be born, they knew exactly where he'd be born. They just went right to the book of Micah as a prophecy. It says, but you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient days. But they didn't really recognize him. They couldn't see the divine in the ordinary. It's like God slid Jesus in right past all the fancy people, right to the commoners. It's like he, he intentionally circumvented what humans would think and put Jesus in a place where you wouldn't even guess it. They all missed him. I think they were looking for something spectacular, you know, a, a military conqueror, a political messiah. Jews wanted a sign. They weren't expecting a baby in a manger, And then God gave them a sign and they missed it. It was too simple. They just looked right by it. I think there's some things that that sign tells us about Jesus. The first thing I want to emphasize is the fact of his humanity. This is the Holy Manuel, God with us. You know what I love about this? It also tells us that God's good with ordinary. He's good with common and ordinary. You know, most of life is like that. 
I know we do fancy things and we dress a little nicer maybe on Sunday or I was going to say when you go to Walmart. I'm just kidding. But, you know, there's certain things you dress up for, right? There's certain things you put on a little bit more for. But God's okay with just us, normal us. I'm glad because that's how most of us are. I like, I like the dress up, but I'm just saying, most of us, it's okay. In the Greek, it literally says a baby, just a baby, an infant, a newborn child, totally ordinary. He came into the world just like us, every single one of us. Now, no matter how old you are today, most, most of you don't have everything in common with the person sitting beside you, but you do have this. We're all born one day from a mom. And it's just normal. Now, there are some miraculous things about Jesus' birth, of course. I mean, the virgin birth is a miracle. It's intentionally a miracle. Had to be. He had to be, he had to be that way. He had to be God and man. He had to be that. What I'm emphasizing is the common normal part. And what it does is Christ being born a baby brings us face to face with the truth of the incarnation. God became man. He became man. He took on true humanity. All God, all man. He laid aside his power and glory and humbled himself to be a human. It's the central truth of Christianity. It's everything. God has entered human history to provide for our salvation. He did it all. He did what we could not do, that only he could do, and he did it through his son. And then everything else comes from that. The fact is, everything else If he had not been born that way, then he wouldn't qualify to save us from our sins. If he hadn't have been born that way, him rising from the dead wouldn't have changed anything. And then the resurrection itself validated all of that. That is the way it had to be. Now, the Jews don't believe that. They think he was an honorable person, but they don't believe that. Muslims don't believe that, Hindus. And some Christians struggle with it. I've talked to Christians who literally think God wouldn't lower himself to humanity. I'm thinking, man, you don't get it. He created us for relationship. He wanted relationship. We're the ones that pushed the relationship away, and then he restored it this way. The second thing we learned from this is he was willing to be helpless. To me, that blows me away. And he's wrapped in cloths. Can you imagine? It's hard. I know I'm asking you to do something crazy, but imagine you are king of the universe. You made everything. And then you're going to humble yourself to be that helpless, it's amazing. You held a newborn? I'll be honest, sometimes as, as a grown man, I'm, I'm afraid sometimes to hold a baby. I know it sounds weird, but they're, they're so fragile and they're, you, you know how sometimes they just flop around a little bit, like their little heads, and, and I'm thinking, God, if I, if I don't hold them right, is, uh, right? They're just little helpless, tiny little things. And the God of the universe humbled himself that way. It just blows me away. And he was wrapped in those cloths, secure and tight. I don't think it's any coincidence that that's also how he left this earth. You know, no one can say that he came only for the rich and powerful. No one can say that he didn't give up his heavenly prerogatives. He didn't come just for the faith of a few, but he came to be savior of all. He was bound that we could be set free. The next thing I think about his humility is him just lying in a manger. 
We've all seen it, all the pageants. You've seen the, you probably have a, a crash or a, or a, you know, a little display like that with baby and the baby Jesus in there. It's weird to think about though, that kind of poverty, that kind of indifference. But that's the God we serve. Paul said it like this. He said, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God. Nothing about the baby Jesus looked supernatural, just to clear that up. There were no halos, no angels, at least they weren't visible, no choir singing. <laughs> if you'd been there you would, and had no other information, none, you would have just thought it was a little baby born to a poor couple. That's all you would think. The next thing I want you to think about is this God of surprises. My prayer for you today is that all through the rest of this Christmas season, today, tomorrow, the rest of this, that you would just keep being surprised by God. It's just full of surprises. Romans says it like this, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge, how impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. We're just not like him. And there's times where God does things that might surprise you because he is God. Isaiah said it this way, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So think about this. I'm going to juxtapose words that don't go together. He's the king of the humble. Catch that? He's the king of the humble. Don't brag about being humble. He's the king of the humble. He's a man of the people. The poor, the outcast, they knew Jesus was one of them. They knew he was accessible to them. They knew that intrinsically. I love this quote. The eyes of the poor, in the eyes of, in the, eyes of the poor, imperial robes excite no affection. A man in their own garb attracts their confidence. <laughs> the poor of the earth, they knew that Jesus was a friend. I think he was born in that way so that all of us would feel invited to come to him. The very manner of his birth, turned away from the inn, born in a stable, was an invitation to all of us who feel rejected or abused or mistreated or forgotten or overlooked. And we can come to himself for salvation, the king of the universe. You might tremble to approach a throne but you don't fear approaching a manger. It's just different. You know, if he was born in Paris or Beverly Hills or take your pick of what you think is famous, you wouldn't feel at home there. We visit there and try to feel fancy, but that's not him. He was born in a stable. Every outsider in the world, and there's way more outsiders than insiders, can be comfortable with him. It's an amazing thing. That's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, but he didn't sin. And this prophecy from 700 years before his birth, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. 
We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. And yet it was our weakness that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so uh, we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Talk about a sign. It's a sign. It's a sign. Now, I heard this years ago, and I looked into this, and when I was in Israel, they were totally talking about how this wasn't true. But there was this kind of myth that had grown up that, you know, the Bethlehem is where they would have raised sheep for the, the sacrifices in Jerusalem. So there, there was this myth that they would wrap the newborn lambs that were perfect, because those are the only ones that would go to be sacrificed. They would wrap them in claws like Jesus. The problem with that is those baby lambs need to walk, right? <laughs> Anything born needs to walk. And then how's it going to eat? I mean, none of that's true. But it's a cool idea. But you don't even need that to see how fitting it is that Jesus, the Passover lamb, was born where Passover lambs were born. It's amazing to think about this. As Pastor Nick talked about, everybody celebrates Christmas. Everybody does. But do they really? They may not know it, but when they sing the songs, they are. I, I put something online today. You might want to check it out. Frank Turek, who's a great apologist, he was interviewing a, a historian that talks about the traditions of Christmas and where they came from. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Think about, though, the depths to which Jesus Christ entered this world to reach us. And then, of course, the world doesn't see it. They don't get it. Maybe it's because the sign isn't something they want to see. Have you ever known anybody like that? I heard a wife teasing her husband this morning in the lobby about not listening. <laughs> he only listens when he wants to. And I was laughing because I knew this point was coming in the servant and I just laughed out loud thinking, there's signs we don't want to see either, right? Because what does the sign say? That your life is not your own. And we owe our allegiance to a king who came to be and was like one of us and died for us. And that means that he has a claim on our life. And the world doesn't want to live like that. Most humans don't want that. We don't want to be bound by that or submit to that. But the king of the universe is, that is why he came. So don't, don't be surprised when the world doesn't have room for the king. It's not new. And the fact is, the fact is, he still calls for them and he still loves them. And the fact is that when the world needed a savior, he sent a baby and in doing so, he opens the door for all of us. He never owned a home. He just had the clothes on his back. And at his crucifixion, the soldiers gambled for even those. And he was buried in a bar borrowed tomb. So the way he entered the world is the way he left the world. He came from outside the earth, born an outsider, outside the inn, born and died outside the city. And because of that, every single one of us are welcome. I want you to shut your eyes for a second, if you would. I read this and it just struck me so hard. I don't know why, but who can wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water? His child can. God became human to make us his child and he's there for you. So the question I have for you is will you respond to that sign? How do you respond to that sign?
It's Christmas Eve. There's nothing, no greater gift could you give back to God than the gift of yourself. So I just want to ask this question. You know, there may be, I know there's a lot of people here who don't normally come here on a Sunday. Would love for you to too, if you're, you know, you're, this is your, where you live. But I just want to ask this because I always want to give opportunity. Maybe for you, you've never thought about it before. Maybe you've thought about it a hundred times. But today you're willing and you want to say, yes, I want to make room for that baby that was born in the manger in, manger in my heart today. I realize I need to surrender myself to him. Anybody like that today? Just raise your hand. We'll pray with you. I see that hand. I appreciate your honesty. Anybody else? I never want to rush this. I know God prepares us all in different ways and different times. All right, with your eyes still closed, I just want to ask one more question and then we're going to pray. But I know for the rest of us, you've already put Christ in your heart. I guess my challenge to you today is for you to see the wonder and the miracle in every single thing. Here's what I'd like to do with us. If you could all stand. For those of you who raise your hands, I want to lead us all in a prayer. It's a simple prayer. What this prayer does, it's not a formula. It's not, all it does is say this. It just acknowledges the fact that we need Jesus. We've done things that were wrong. We want his forgiveness. We want his life to be part of our life or to be our life, our life to be part of him. That's all it says. So I'd like everybody in the room to repeat this prayer after me. And you've probably prayed it a million times. That's okay. We can renew that today. And for those of you who raise your hands, if you would just especially pray this and mean it, God changes everything. Let's do this together. Father God, sorry for what I've done that is wrong. I need you. I want you to change my life. I give my life to you. Please forgive me and make me new today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray for us as you guys head out and celebrate the wonder and all the miracles of Christmas. God, I'm so grateful that we can be in this room today together. Thank you for all the the songs we've sung. Thank you, God, for the wonder of Christmas. Thank you, Father, for sending your son in such a humble, simple way that we could all have a place. And I pray, God, you'd help us as we walk through the rest of this Christmas just to open up and see every, every miracle that is there and share that with everybody we encounter. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Have a great Christmas season together. Amen.